0: If you want to build a stronger community and bring in thousands more dollars per year, here's how. Starting a podcast. You may be excited to learn more about starting your podcast, or maybe it's something that you've been considering doing for a while now. Or maybe you are totally scoffing at me right now and are about to stop listening and go on to another podcast because you've never wanted to, or maybe you're afraid to start your own podcast. Maybe you're just like, what would I even talk about, Kristen? But just give me 60 seconds of your time and then do what you will. Adam McNeil was just a normal guy who had a unique game that he really liked playing. He also really liked coffee, and he could talk about it for hours. So, he did. He started his show and did about 50,000 downloads in his first year of podcasting. During that time, he was able to bring in over $25,000 in revenue from his show. You're probably wondering, though, what kind of advantage that he had to make this happen in such a short period of time. Well, He didn't have a huge social media following. He didn't have a bunch of fancy equipment. All he had was a passion for a unique topic that he presented in a unique way. And if you're wondering what that approach was like, Adam, who is now the VP of marketing at Adopter Media, and they spend over $20 million in annual podcast ad spend, spilled all of his secrets in this week's episode of Social Scoop. As someone who has started a podcast myself and has used the podcast as a vessel to generate over $30,000 in revenue last year, I can confidently say it's my favorite part of my job, and I don't regret it for a second. I'm Kristen Bousquet, and I've been a full-time creator for over three years and have brought in over $350,000 from sponsored posts and content creation collaborations with brands so far. Social Scoop is the podcast where we teach you the entrepreneurial creator to turn your online influence and creativity into a profitable, self-sustaining business. We're giving you the scoop on all things starting, growing, and monetizing a podcast and why you need to do this. This, my biz BFF, is Social Scoop. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that we have an incredible membership community of over 70 creators who are there to help you, network with you, and give you all of their experiences so that you can learn from them. In our private creator community, you have not only access to that incredible community who we actually meet with on monthly Zoom calls where we all get together and hang out, but you also have access to me one-on-one for coaching. Whenever you have questions about contracts or how you should respond to a brand or maybe what your rates should be for this partnership, you can send me messages whenever you need. So you have that one-on-one access to me and you also have access to our incredible database of resources, tutorials, ebooks, you name it. Every time that you guys have a question that I get multiple times, I create a resource in our database for you so that you can refer back to it time and time again. Every single month, we are adding new things in there and there truly is such a wealth of knowledge within this community. So I hope to see you there. Make sure to use code SCOOP for 50% off your first month, and we'll see you in the suite. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 64 of Social Scoop Podcast. My name is Kristen, and as always, I'm so excited that you're here. It's funny, I was just thinking the other day that I totally, like, unintentionally made that our intro. I just kept saying, like, I'm Kristen and I'm so excited, and then before I knew it, I was like, it feels wrong not to say that when we start. But I am really so excited that you guys are here, especially because we have some actual like decent news this week. First things first, Instagram is testing a new option for viewers to create reaction videos to a reel. So you can send a reel to someone and hit the quote, ask to react button. That person in their DMs will receive a blurred image of the reel and they can click it and then hit watch and react. Then they'll be able to record their reaction while they watch this reel they can preview or re-record it before sharing it as a reel as well. So it will show up very similar to what the TikTok ones look like when people are responding or reacting to a reel. I like this idea. I think this makes Instagram a little bit more reactive, but a little bit more fun and loose, just like TikTok is. And I think we really need that on Instagram because we've got to do something over there to make it feel more enjoyable. And I'm sure that I'm not alone in that. Also, TikTok is testing a playback speed option. We don't have a ton of information about this so far it is just a very small test that we're only getting a little bit of info about but it seems that this would be presented in that dot 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 menu on the video and then you'll be able to choose a playback speed and choose from different options of speeds to view the video at so sometimes I think this would be useful for example if I watch a video and I need some information in it that I like have to watch the entire video again to get to it I think playing it back at a faster speed would make me want to watch that video again to actually get that information. So I do kind of like this. Instagram also just launched quiet mode. This I think could be very, very helpful for our mental health. You can choose times of the day where you don't want to be bothered with Instagram notifications. Once you turn it on, you can choose or edit the time or turn it off in settings. I don't know about you guys, but I sometimes will grab my phone to do one thing and somehow end up like deep in my DMs or scrolling through my stories and watching people's stories. I am so easily distracted by Instagram and TikTok talk really. But I like the idea of quiet mode so that if I don't get a notification, I probably won't pick up my phone. <laughs> and that will help me stay a little bit more focused. So we love that. Productivity girls love that. You also now have the option to receive messages from everyone on TikTok. So previously, only people that you followed and they followed you back could send messages between the two of you. But now in your settings, you will be able to toggle on and off the quote everyone option for who you want to receive messages from. This is actually one huge stride for TikTok, in my opinion. I know for me personally, if I'm DMing with someone, there's a 99% chance that it's on Instagram. But I really, really like the idea of being able to have more private, intimate conversations with people on TikTok. I know for me personally, I've been really trying to build a stronger community there. And I think without a Really open DM feature that is extremely difficult. So I'm going to be turning this on. I'm very excited to see what happens. It also is kind of scary because I feel like I'm going to get a lot of spam in there considering the amount of spam comments I'm getting. Um, but we'll have to just try it and see. But overall, I do think that this could be a step in the right direction for building a stronger community on TikTok. Now, I know you might be looking at today's episode and thinking, I don't know, Kristen, like, do I need a podcast? I don't even know what I would talk about. Like, I'm so awkward. I don't even know what this would be like. But let me just tell you first, when I wanted to start Social Scoop, I wanted to start it because I loved talking about social media. Like I loved talking to other people about it. I love talking to other creators, but I was having these like great conversations and I was thinking to myself, wow, like everyone should hear these conversations. They're really great. And I'm sure with a topic that you're extremely passionate about, you probably have those conversations with other people who are passionate as well. And you're so like fueled by them. Like I know when I have one of these conversations, I feel like a fire inside of me as corny as that sounds like you feel so good and probably even listening to something like this. If you love social media, you probably leave feeling really great. So I encourage you to listen to this episode, hear about the benefits of starting a podcast, of growing a podcast. It's not just about gaining more income, which obviously that definitely is something that will happen along the way as you build your podcast. But it also just gives you a great outlet to network and meet new people and have great conversations. But building community, I think is the most important part. We we have such a great community here of creators that listen every week that love what we talk about and are able to discuss all of these different things with their friends and their other creators that they chat with so it really does open the door for community you'll get your outlet to speak on and you can make some extra money so why not right maybe after you listen to this episode you will be more excited i'm really excited to hear what you guys would start a podcast on so send me a dm and let me know what would you start your podcast on and if you need help id something for a show, like I'll help you. So I'm excited to hear from you guys. And let's dive right into this episode. As creators, I know that you guys are always looking for different streams of revenue because we don't always want to solely rely on sponsored posts. And having a podcast is actually a really great and fun way to add another stream of revenue. Into your business plan. So today we're here with Adam McNeil, who's going to teach us all about podcasting. Adam, thank you so much for being here.
1: It is my pleasure to be here. Absolute joy.
0: Yay, I'm so excited. So I would kind of just love to hear a little bit more about you and what you do, and I guess how you got into podcasting.
1: Yeah, great question. So today I'm the VP of marketing over at Adopter Media. We're a podcast advertising agency. We represent about two dozen different brands in this space currently. From like Magic Spoon Cereal, Roan Clothing, Lomi, you name it. We do about 20 mil a year in ad spend, uh, supporting creators like yourself and like other podcasters through ad dollars that brands are giving us. So we like to say that we fuel the podcast advertising industry with uh, a lot of different brands. Um, But to be honest, my story of getting to this position is kind of an odd one because it's kind of all accidental. It started with my own podcast that I accidentally started two years ago. Uh, And so I think that's where kind of the story really begins. I had ordered a bag of coffee from a brand that I was working with at the time on my Instagram. uh, And I said, Hey, you know what, what if I just brew this bag of coffee and review it on an Instagram live? And they're like, Yeah, do it. That sounds like fun. I had like two people tune in live and slowly but surely they were like, Hey, you should do this again next week, but with a different bag of coffee. and started doing that. And then it grew basically from there into a larger show that eventually became a podcast uh, and reached about a 1,000 listeners a week. And that's kind of where it got to. And through that, it kind of led to me getting into the podcast industry. And I was working for a startup at the time that all in led to where I am today.
0: That is the coolest story. I totally didn't know that this was basically all an accident. I love those kind of stories, though, because... A lot of the times we try and plan so perfectly, like where we're going to end up, but the universe just has like this completely different idea in mind. And it all came from brewing some coffee on Instagram Live. That is the coolest thing.
1: Yeah. 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 Fun journey. And I'm really grateful that it happened because I do love the podcast world now, um, but I never set out to get into it. uh, And (laughs) here I am. and (laughs) I love it.
0: That's so cool. So with podcasting, I'm sure that as you've gotten into the industry, you've realized podcasting is like getting really huge compared to maybe where it was five or 10 years ago. So what are some things that you can tell us now that for anyone listening, you could kind of try and talk them into, all right, it's time to start a podcast if you've been thinking about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So for context, I made a pretty good amount of money off my podcast with only a 1,000 people listening a week in a really niche industry. So though the okay. show started about coffee, it really wasn't about coffee. It was about a game called Kendama. It's a Japanese ball and cup game. I have a bunch behind okay. me as well. I had become a, a kind of a competitor in the world. I wasn't ever really, really good, but I really liked connecting with people. And so these okay. lives turned into a podcast about the game and I'd interview people. and. It's not a complicated concept or anything. I just liked talking to people. It was spontaneous. I put in maybe two hours a week into this project and slowly built up the audience pretty organically, a social post here or there. Uh, About a year in, uh, I was running a bit of a side business associated where I was doing a distribution deal, selling these kandamas. And prior to me launching the podcast, I maybe sold a handful a month, like one or two a month. Maybe at most in a year, I'd make, $2,000, $3,000 2000 $3,000 selling. Okay. It was very much a side hustle, very much mm-hmm. a hobby on the side. But the podcast led to me making a lot more uh, sales of these kanamas. I made about $20,000 that first year wow. uh, just through the byproduct of me running the podcast and people learning more about what I was doing and going to my website, buying the kanamas, etc. So the organic sales of my own product that I was selling grew a lot. But secondly, I also ended up getting a sponsorship deal with a coffee company that I really, really love called Onyx Coffee Lab. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're based in Arkansas. They're amazing. You should check them out. But uh, I did an affiliate deal with them. And so I got 10% of whatever the earnings that I would drive for them were. And the first month that I did uh, revenue for them, it was about $5,000 worth of coffee that I sold. So I made about $500 that first month. That was actually the indicator to me that I realized that podcasting can generate a crap ton of money. And this was before I was ever an advertiser in the space before I was spending brand money. I just knew yeah. that I was generating money for brands and that I had influence and a deceptive amount of influence at such a small size. Cause I think during that time I was doing work with influencers on Instagram at the job that I was at before. And so I was paying Instagram influencers X dollars for posts and I was working with creators that were 50k Instagram followers, et cetera, and they could hardly generate $500 worth of revenue. Mm -hmm. It was awful sometimes. And if I, with like sub three thousand followers and just a podcast that was doing 500 to 1,000 listens a week, could generate five grand for business as well as doing my own sales, that was a big indicator to me that podcasting has a really unique sense of influence. And so that planted the seed.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think about it this way, if someone is going to sit down with me, quote unquote, for an hour in their week, that Mm -hmm. really says a lot about how much they value being a part of my community, versus someone liking one of my Instagram posts, and then scrolling on to the next one, the, Mm -hmm. the weight of a subscriber or a listener to your podcast is just so different than the weight of a follower on Instagram. And to go even further, very different from the weight of a follower on TikTok, you know, like all of these numbers don't, they're, they don't all mean the same thing. Um, so I, I think that's a really interesting point that you bring up. I think a lot of people who want to start a podcast are like, oh, well, like, in order for me to make money, like, I have to get this huge show, like I have to grow this giant show. And who knows how long that's gonna take. And, you know, when will I ever start making money? You know, that's just not the case. You don't need to have a 10,000 listeners a week to make money.
1: Yeah, you really don't. Um, so to kind of give the like open, opening the Pandora's box of how much money you can make in terms of monetization. So to give, you know, the creators that are listening a scope of how much money they can make per listener that they have essentially yeah. kind of a rudimentary formula is we do use a CPM based model typically when we're advertising. And the average CPM is about 20 to $25 for a show. So meaning uh, cost per melee, cost per 1,000 listeners. So if you have, say, 1,000 listeners on your show, uh, you could theoretically sell that for an average of around $25 per ad. Now, if you're running a weekly show, say you have a weekly show like the social podcast, the yeah. social scoop, uh, and you have a 1,000 listeners, typically what's normal in the industry for an hour-long podcast is about four ads per episode. So four ads at $25, that's $100 per episode that you're putting out. Now you got 52 in a year, you're making $5,200 just off a thousand listeners right there alone. Right. That's not including the affiliate earnings that you might be doing on the side, because maybe you have a link to the, the microphone that you have in front of you for Amazon that you want to sell as well. You might make another couple hundred dollars there, a year, et cetera. Maybe you do a sponsored deal where a brand particularly wants to be the showrunner of your show so that it's the social scoop brought to you by... Right. Uh, who knows? Uh, so there's different ways to monetize, but at a base minimum, that's kind of the general average. And for smaller niche shows like myself, I was able to bill out at about $100 CPM. So I could have had four advertisers on at almost $400 per episode for only that's having right. a thousand listeners on my podcast. That's a really insane CPM rate. That's really hard to reach on any other platform, right. barring maybe YouTube. Uh, You won't get that on Instagram. You won't get that on TikTok. Podcasting and YouTube are probably the only platforms that you might be able to bill out at those rates per listener that you have.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful information. I know a lot of creators in general, when it comes to sponsorships and things of that sort, have a really difficult time figuring out what the heck to charge. But it's pretty cool that with podcasting, there is kind of like this formula that you can more or less go by to actually figure that out instead of you know, a lot of creators with Instagram and TikTok kind of just pulling a number out of your ass and <laughs> calling it yeah. a day. Like, let's see how this goes. Um, so that is actually really helpful. So kind of taking it back to the basics a little bit more when it comes to a creator who wants to start a podcast, but they're like, I don't know what I would even talk about. That's like the thing I can picture. People listening right now are saying, Okay, but like, what would I even talk about? So, how can people figure out what their show should be based on?
1: Yeah. I think fundamentally, if you already have a sense of influence in a particular industry, you're already a creator. It's probably less challenging to know what to talk about, um, particularly for yourself. You have a really great depth, full insight into the world of social media, into social right. influence. And so it makes sense for you to create a podcast where you deep dive into that more. I didn't have anything. I was just <laughs> a competitor in the podcast or in the Kandana world. And I really liked coffee. And by accident, I just started brewing coffee and talking about it on Instagram and then started talking to other people about Kenama while I was doing it. And yeah. that's how it evolved. And so I think, first off, if you don't know what to say, it's probably not time to start a podcast. I think you should have a good idea of the content you're willing to create and the value that you're bringing. So yeah. I think someone someone brought this up to me a while ago about consulting. And I think... If you consider yourself as a consultant when you're a podcast host, I think that's a really good format. What value do you have that people would go out of their way to listen to or to pay for? Uh, Whether or not that's your insight on the best books that there are to read, or your insight on news, politics, or maybe you're really into true crime and you have a great way of telling stories. I don't know what it is, but whatever that is, think about the things that people come to you naturally for and ask you questions in your DMs. Uh, and maybe create an episode about that. Someone prompted a really good question in your DM, use that as a topic for a podcast episode. I think that's a great way to start a podcast in terms of finding what works. And then you can kind of go through the formula of did that get attention? Did people like that? No? Okay. Well, what did they like about it? Maybe we take that and then use that for the next episode, but get rid of all this stuff people didn't like and keep going through that right. pattern.
0: It's very similar to a content creator trying to figure out what they want to post about, again, on Instagram or on TikTok. Mm-hmm. How do you figure out what it is that you want to come up and, and show up for every single day or every mm-hmm. single week and and share content about? It's the same thing. I know when I was kind of try, trying to figure this out for myself um, with social media, I went through a lot of trial and error. I was posting mm-hmm. about fashion first and then I was posting about business. And then I realized, again, I was getting so many questions about social media specifically and being a creator specifically that... That's when I knew I had something there, so I think it does take a little bit of trial and error. Maybe you test out some mm-hmm. different subjects like you were saying, and I think you'll know when the right one comes like when that one hits and and you can see that you're getting a lot of people excited, you know okay, like I'm on to something here. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You you know, I came from a really fortunate place with my show because I got live feedback because my show was on Instagram Live. So I knew I could watch the viewer count go up and down based on the topics we were talking about during the live call. So I would get live feedback knowing, oh, I should stop talking about this because nobody cares. Or if something was getting really good, there was one episode where one of my guests ended up getting really emotional about something. It was a great conversation. And Love him to bits. And there was a point of tears ever coming up. And it was just such yeah. a real, raw, authentic moment. And my numbers on that episode in the live moment were just skyrocketing. I had over 150 live viewers during that moment because people started sharing it, etc. Yeah. So I knew that at that moment, that was the type of real content that my audience cared about. They wanted to see the real sides of people. And so I started to pivot my conversations to be less about the game of Kendama and more about the people who played it. And that changed Love the content that. drastically. Uh, and changed the amount of engagement I got. And so using feedback is the key way to grow your show. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I actually love the concept of when you have an idea for a podcast, starting it on on Instagram Live or on TikTok Live or even like, Mm -hmm. you know, on YouTube Live, wherever it is, because the idea of getting that feedback before you put all of the work into like, mm-hmm. creating a full blown show, I think can save you a lot of time and error later on down the road. Um, and there's not with a regular podcast, there's not really a lot of ways that you can get feedback unless someone goes out of their way to, mm-hmm. you know, send you a message, or you're looking again at your analytics and noticing one episode is, is crashing. <laughs> and yeah. the other the others are doing great. Um, and that's, really the only ways that I've personally been able to kind of learn what works and what doesn't. So I kind of love the idea of testing it out on lives.
1: Yeah. And and you hit something really important there. I think other social channels, it's a lot harder to get a podcast listener than it is to get a follower on Instagram than it is to even get a follower on LinkedIn for all that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like it's really hard because podcasts aren't naturally findable or they're, they're a lot harder to discover yes. unless you're finding them through an Instagram post or you're finding them through TikTok. I don't think I've ever gone to Spotify or Apple and searched podcasts about or whatever. I like never randomly yeah. stumble into a podcast. I find your podcast through your other channels that you do have influence through. I find a lot of podcasts through TikTok these days because I'm just scrolling and I see a clip from a podcast episode. I'm like, oh, right. that was really interesting. I should go listen to that. So if you're already a creator on a platform, use that platform first to pull from that platform to your podcast. And also don't expect a lot of your audience to come over. It's slow to get your podcast off the ground. If you have 10,000 followers on on Instagram, don't expect to have a show that has even a 1,000 right. listeners right away. It takes time and not all of them will come
0: Yeah, that's definitely something that I've learned. I'm like, come on, guys. Like, I have like 25,000 followers over here. And why why are you not coming and listening to the podcast yet? But the other thing to think about, too, is not everyone listens to podcasts yet. That's another hurdle Mm -hmm. you have to jump over. But I also remember hearing some stat about the amount of people or the amount of time that people spend listening to podcasts, people who listen to podcasts, consistently only spend about six hours per week listening so you know six one hour mm-hmm. long episodes like they can only really choose six shows maybe in their week that they watch so again mm-hmm. like you have to how are you going to get into that six hours of someone who's already listening mm-hmm. to a podcast it's, it's a small there's a small mm-hmm. chance there
1: <laughs> yeah you're really trying to negotiate with them to get yeah. them to give you your time for your ability to influence them and yeah. the easier you can make that process for your you know, follower or whatever it is, the better it's going to be, smooth in that road to getting them to become a podcast listener. And if you can retain them for more than one episode, you're probably going to keep them for a long time. Yeah. Uh, the retention rate point. is high.
0: Yeah. So when a creator has gone ahead and made their podcast, how can they use that podcast to actually build... This community. So, thinking about it this way, like if you have a podcast, people come on individually and they listen to it, but how do they, Mm -hmm. how can you get them to connect with each other a little bit more and really feel like they have this like sense of community?
1: Yeah. So, I think different podcasts have a harder time with this, but I've seen this take form in a lot of different ways. So, for example, there's a true crime podcast called Hillbilly Horror Stories, and they have a really bustling Facebook group where they share all sorts of memes and jokes about all the things that are happening in hillbilly true crime. And it's just blowing up on the Facebook side of things, which is such a niche place to have a podcast community because nobody's on Facebook these days, except the people who would tune in to a hillbilly horrors kind of a podcast. And so (laughs) I found that and I was like, this is fascinating. For me, that would never have worked. My audience wasn't there. My audience was on Instagram. And so I would host different sorts of events or I'd host... Uh, I even hosted an event for my podcast listeners where I would do a live and randomly pull people out of the audience to jump on and do a podcast episode with them. On top of that, one of the benefits of me doing a live version of the podcast is I had live engagement from my audience consistently to the point where they were communicating back and forth with each other in the chat. So they had a sense of belonging to a community and to further develop that community side of things. uh, I ended up, artificially creating a feud within my audience between coffee and tea and so there was a and and it was so like it sounds humorful but it was actually really intentional because all of a sudden you created this false sense of war between some of my audience Mm -hmm. members where they were either on coffee gang or tea gang but the fact that they were engaged in that debate led them to more engagement in the community itself to the point where I was getting tagged on because I was obviously part of coffee gang, people that were in the tea gang would tag me on their Instagram stories, drinking tea out of like spite, but it was all in good fun and good taste. And it just added to the fire of what the show became. And so finding ways to pull your audience into the show, even by shouting them out by name, One of the things I think that is really underrated is hosts don't give a lot of love to their audience often enough to the point where if someone leaves you a great review in your podcast, shout them out at the beginning of your show. Mm -hmm. Say like, Hey, just want to say really appreciated, you know, Instagram username 123, what you said on the (laughs) podcast, like that meant a lot. We're really trying to incorporate this into the show. With that said, let's jump into today's episode. And that way they know that you're paying attention to them because I think a lot of podcasters can... Slowly build a sense of entitlement that people are coming for them. Right. But remember, fundamentally, you're serving your audience first. And so if you forget who they are, they will slowly forget you.
0: I actually absolutely love that idea. And it also gets people like so excited to leave a review because they yes. want to hear their name on that episode. <laughs> That's genius. That is like evil genius. And I love it. Um, you may hear that in a future episode. Of <laughs> please,
1: please do. I'll leave a review <laughs> just to test if you're doing it.
0: <laughs> amazing. Amazing. So I want to talk a little bit more about monetizing because I think a lot mm-hmm. of creators who would be starting a podcast are like, okay, you know, like I have a lot of things going on. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, like mm-hmm. I'm creating all this content. I can't throw another thing on my plate unless it's able to, again, like actually bring me income so we talked about like a couple methods so there there's podcast ads um Mm -hmm. to monetize but also um affiliate partnerships and things like that is there any other ways that we can monetize a podcast
1: sure so um If you simulcast your show on YouTube, there's that third form of monetization where you could run YouTube ads on top and get some uh, YouTube payout. So that's one big method that a lot of creators have been using recently. So they'll have their show where they maybe only get a couple thousand downloads on the audio side of things. But you you and I were recording on video here. This could get uploaded to YouTube. And if you hit that thousand subscriber threshold and certain amount of hours listened to, which is really easy to do as a podcast because it's long form content, uh, you can right. hit the monetization goals there. Outside of that, though, I think people really underrate the merch sales or having a product attached to the show. Yep. So that's where I made most of my revenue. I was making close to about $500 a month on ad sales. But because I had a direct line of influence into my audience, there were two main ways that I made money. One was my own product sales of Kendama's. And I had a line of merch. I have you know, hats, mugs, yeah. etc. It was all print-on-demand stuff. Probably made around five to ten thousand dollars in a year off of merch sides of things, or no, with the Kanamas probably close to twenty grand that year. Yeah, um, but then on top of that, th- but this is for me the the podcast was my keystone content. I think other people podcasting becomes their secondary content. Mm-hmm. So for me, I use the podcast to create an event. So I host an event here in Calgary every year now, and I get about one hundred and fifty people that come out. We oh. gross revenue around eight to $9,000 uh, for that event. It costs a lot to run too, so the profit <laughs> in there is not much. But uh, it's a huge symbol of the success of the show because this event would not have existed without the show. And the show has driven all of the influence to that event. And we get people flying in from all across North America to come and compete. Uh, it's fully sponsored and funded by a lot of the brands that I've had on the show. Yeah. It's fully self-sufficient in that way. And it's a huge, huge impact on the audience because they come, not because it's a Konama event, but because they were first fans right. of the show and then happened to want to compete as well.
0: That's a really cool idea. For anyone listening, Like, would you guys come to Charlotte for a, a social media summit? Because I kind of love that idea. I always yeah. love any ideas where I can get like people in person, but it's sometimes it's just so difficult. I, I love that. It is super, super
1: difficult. (laughs) Yeah. And again, like, but the community that I was in was catered towards that. So it was what they wanted and what they expected. I think different genres have a harder time doing that. Like it would be hard to do that for a true crime, uh, you know, event, you know, how many people are that into true crime that they're going to come out for an event? Maybe there's a percentage. I don't know. Uh, Kinaba is a little different in that regard. However, for yourself, maybe uh, for this show, for the social scoop, maybe you want to do a course around creating... Uh, a social content calendar or whatever. And so you want to bring people into that where there's a live element where you're on a Zoom call with all of them. Maybe you do have a retreat for social media that you host, whatever it is, like create some sort of big content pillar once a year that you pull a bunch of people towards. And maybe you do it four times a year. Who knows? But think about podcasting and the listeners that you have as being your most loyal, most integrated listeners, because they are. Compared to your Instagram followers, they are way more intentional about the content that you have because they're here for the raw you. They're here for the unfiltered conversations.
0: Right. Yeah. They're going to spend an hour with me every week. And that's a lot more Mm -hmm. than people on Instagram spend with me sometimes. Um, Yeah. I know for monetization, like for us, one of the biggest ways that we monetize the podcast, we haven't done any ads yet. I honestly just haven't even gotten to that world yet. I would like to one day, but... Basically, right now, the way we're monetizing is we have our social suite, it's a membership. So it's a monthly membership where creators can basically take everything that they learn here and and go on kind of like a higher level with it or a deeper level. And so... That is something that we talk about in the beginning of every every episode, or I'll mention mm-hmm. it throughout the episode. And then we get people in there. And that's, that's one of the biggest ways that we monetize the podcast as of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. One thing, too, I'm also kind of looking at doing for the future is brands that I'm working with on sponsorships on Instagram or on TikTok. How can I also get them to be a mm-hmm. part of the podcast? And so... Hopefully that works out this year, but there really are just so many different ways that you can monetize it.
1: There is. And like, I think I've only really tapped the nail on the head because you can, you can charge people to come on as a guest if you want to. Yeah. I don't like that method because it starts to really devalue the authenticity of the show. I think right. in my, this is my opinion. A lot of people disagree with me, but okay. when I know that it's a paid interview, I'm like, ah, the host is yeah. doing it for the money, not because they care about the, the content. But that's a method. You can have a Patreon. You can even sell feed drops, which is a new, weird uh, way to monetize. I've never heard of this. Yeah, it's not super common. It's more common amongst networks. So if you're on iHeartMedia or something, they Mm -hmm. might do a feed drop of a new show. So you might have your social scoop feed. And uh, Erica's podcast, Marketing Happy Hour, wants to drop an episode onto your feed. So your listeners get an episode of their show. They might pay to do that. And so that's a new method that some people are testing out to draw your audience towards a different show. There's ways to do that. People do that as tradesies all the time. So maybe you want to do that with Erica over at Marketing Happy Hour. She drops an episode of yours. You drop an episode of hers. Who knows? That's one of the best ways to grow your audience is to uh, collaborate on content. So... Uh, I know that, you know, Erica, well, and so I think, you know, your two audiences have a great overlap between marketers and creators. And so there might be an opportunity to do some more collaboration there. Maybe you want to have her on as a guest. She's had you on as a guest. You can share those audiences and grow together.
0: Yeah, I actually, last year, I signed up for a podcast mentorship. So I was in a mentorship program for, I think, six months. And that was like one of the biggest things that they taught us was getting on other people's podcasts is one of the best ways to grow. because. If someone's listening to a podcast, you know that they already listen to podcasts. And that's one of the biggest hurdles to get over. And so if your show is, is mentioned in there, mm-hmm. they know that you have a show, it's so easy for them while they're already on Spotify or Apple to just pop right on over to yours. So that's something that I've been trying to do quite a bit. But Man, there are so many podcasts out there. You could literally <laughs> you could ask people to be a guest on and trade back and forth for literally forever. There's so many yeah, absolutely <laughs> um now for um monetizing, do you feel like I know you said when you had a thousand listens per week that's kind of like when you were able to really start monetizing there? for ads monetization on a podcast do you feel like a thousand is kind of the minimum listens per week or do you see podcasts that with less
1: um i don't know if there's a particular number i think the real answer is when you know that your audience is ready to buy something that you recommend is probably the best time to start um well, and there's ways to test that I think. So one is if you have an affiliate deal uh, with a company that you're already working with, it's a great way to just plant that in an episode and say like, you know, you're in the middle and it's like, hey, by the way, I, I really recommend you go check out Hootsuite or something. Use right. my code in the bio to get 10%. What, however you want to do that, great. The way that I tested it was actually with coffee. I would get people DMing me all the time asking me, what coffee should I get? Uh, I'm, I am I want to get an AeroPress and start brewing. What beans yeah. do you recommend I get? What grinder should I get? But I realized like people were coming to me for coffee-related questions all the time. So I was like, man, I should just work with a coffee brand and recommend them something, get them a deal on it, and they're going to love it. So I reached out to Onyx Coffee Lab when I already knew that my audience was primed to buy coffee products. Mm-hmm. And it was a perfect fit. And I think I did that when I was around like 600, 700 downloads an episode, roughly.
0: Okay. Uh, And it
1: worked out fantastic. Uh, Other shows, you could have 100,000 downloads per episode and still hardly make any sales because you haven't broken the formula on how to generate influence. Because that's the key formula. I don't care as an advertiser if you have a million downloads per episode or 10,000 downloads per episode. If you can't generate one sale for a client, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, So I want to know if you have real influence. Uh, If you have a Patreon that's doing really, really well, that's something that I look at because it's a good symbol to me that people are willing to pay you for your content or pay you to get extra content because they really like what you have to say. Uh, That's a lot of trust that your audience has in you. And so I'm willing to test that and try that. Uh, Or the addition is, are you already working with other brands? Uh, If you're working with other brands, uh, I'm going to trust you because you're already pre-vetted by other people spending money on your show. True. I think that's the first hurdle to get over is getting your first deal. But I think the real key is do an affiliate deal. I love affiliate stuff. I think a lot of creators hate it. Uh, I loved doing it. I think a lot of creators hate having their value tied to how many sales they generate or something like that. But for me, it's a data set that you get to use to then pitch to other brands. So I took my data from doing the Onyx Coffee Lab deal. I could go to brands like Manscaped and say like, look how much money I drove for this brand now and how many sales. I would love to work at a flat rate deal with you now based on the data that I do have. Cause I think if you don't have that data, it's really hard to negotiate with brands.
0: Right. So this actually brings up a really good point. If you have a brand that you maybe want to work with or even an agency that you want to reach out to, what is the best way to present yourself? Like what kind of mm. information should be in kind of your, I guess, pitch to this brand or this agency?
1: Yeah. Great question. Uh, Downloads per episode is a big key uh, and consistent downloads per episode. Don't tell me you had one episode that get, got a million <laughs> downloads because you had Alex Cooper from Call Her Daddy on your show, uh, right. but every other episode only gets a thousand. I, I want to know what your most consistent downloads are per episode on like okay. a 30 to 60 day average of downloads. After 60 days, it tends to drop off quite substantially and it's hard to count those impressions. Um So downloads per episode, your demographics are usually pretty important. It depends on the brand. So Mm -hmm. male, female, uh, you know, are you mostly US based? What's the percentage of that age? If you have any other sort of psychographic information, like, uh, you know, household income earning, or uh, my audience is very California based, they're really eco conscious, they really care about whatever it is. That kind of data is helpful for particular brands. We work with a lot of really eco-conscious clients that want to know if the audience is California heavy or are they more uh, liberal voting? Who knows? Um, There's lots of things like that that can play a little bit of a factor. But uh, lastly, I would say include in your pitch deck the brands that you're working with uh, or brands that you have worked with. I think that's really important because, again, it's one of those key indicators that I look for as a pre-vetting tool to know, has this person's podcast been tested by other brands or other people? Uh, I'm more okay. willing to trust
0: that. That makes sense. I mean, that's 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 a fair trade-off. You know, if, if someone else is willing to put their money into it, it makes you feel a little bit more comfortable. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not to say
1: that I won't do it if you don't, but right, right. someone's got to be the first person to do it, right, True. at some level. But if you have had a proven track history of success, uh, it's a lot easier for me to say, yeah, I'm, I'm down to test this. Let's try it. We'd yeah. love to.
0: So when you say a pitch deck, is that very similar to what you mean or what like a creator might have as like a media kit? Is this something that do you feel like is mandatory for a creator to have in order to really present the full picture of their show?
1: Um, It's helpful. Uh, I don't think it's necessary. Truth be told, in our industry, aside from independent creators, most of the podcasts that we work with, they're Excel spreadsheets. Uh, We see this is the podcast name, a quick description, the host's, Uh, their demographics, and Mm -hmm. maybe an example ad that they've done for a client, and the rate. Those are the data points that I typically look for. You can make it pretty, you can make it glam, Mm -hmm. awesome. Uh, The one thing I don't like is when it gets really complicated. So this is the challenge that I think small creators have in the podcast world, particularly when they try to work with the types of brands that we represent that are Mm -hmm. predominant podcast advertisers. Our clients are spending hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars a year on the podcast world. They typically don't do a lot of stuff with really small creators, like even my size of podcast. None of my clients would probably advertise on my podcast. (laughs) But uh, if you're a small creator trying to reach brands like Manscaped or HelloFresh or anything like that, you need to really simplify your media kit. Make it as easy to say yes as possible and as hard to say no as possible. If you overcomplicate it uh, by adding all sorts of package bonuses and stuff like that, it's hard for the brand to get a grasp on it when it's so small. For example, like if you're big, if you're a big podcaster, Alex Cooper, and you have your Instagram and you want to bundle a bunch of stuff together, that's a big deal. They're going to put the time and energy into vetting that yeah. and go through it. If you're a small creator with a thousand followers or a thousand subscribers, whatever, and you start pitching all this complicated formula of a campaign that you're going to run for them, it's really easy for the brand person to just go, "This is too much for me to think about <laughs> for such a little amount of money. I, right. I don't want to do it." So make it simple. Here's how much per ad. How many ads do you want to book? Do you want to do three? Four? Yeah. Awesome. Let's do three. Uh, easy. Make it easy. And brands are way more likely to say yes.
0: That's a really great point. And I think it also goes into a creator media kit as well. So for anyone listening who is creating a media kit, when a brand is looking at a media kit to do sponsored work for your Instagram or your TikTok or YouTube, it's exactly the same situation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's you make it a little bit too confusing or you're making all of these package deals that maybe aren't exactly what the brand needs. And then they feel like that's their only option. And they're like, okay, well, this isn't mm-hmm. going to work out then. Sometimes you put too much information into the whole, you know, media kit or pitch deck that can actually do more harm than it can get yeah. I, I, and and, <laughs> and you
1: probably mean exceptionally well, and it probably will drive a lot of value too. But the way that I would change it If you want to do all of those extra add-ins because you know they're going to bring value, instead, I would reformat it like this. If you're trying to pitch to a podcast uh, advertiser, so let's say you want to talk to Magic Spoon Serial. They're a client we represent. They do a lot of stuff in the podcast. Yeah. Instead of pitching them, here's the podcast plus Instagram plus all these things. Just say, here's the rate for the podcast plus we're going to throw in an Instagram post and these things as bonus value. Don't charge for it, but embed those costs into the podcast ad because that's what they're going to look at. They're going to yeah. look at the cost for the podcast ad and all that extra stuff. Just consider it extra stuff and you can charge yourself whatever that normal rate is. So if you normally would charge $100 for a podcast ad and $50 for a social media post, just say you're charging $150 for the podcast right. ad and you're going to throw in an Instagram post. Way simpler for the brand to think about. Part of the reason is this. Uh, at a lot of brands, they don't look at things as full packages. They have a department that runs all their podcast stuff. They have a department that runs all their social media partnerships. Right. And if you put those two things together with different rates, now you're asking Manscaped or HelloFret, whatever. You're asking them to bring two of their departments together to make a, a, <laughs> a conversation about this small right. you know, $150 deal, whatever it is. It overcomplicates it. And you're asking them to bring in too many people for a decision that doesn't need that many people.
0: That's a really fair point. And I think that also goes with social media on its own as well with Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and Pinterest. Like again, all these different platforms, there could absolutely be someone who's just in charge of TikTok and Instagram partnerships and someone completely different for YouTube. So I I do think that's a really great point to bring up. Keep it simple, guys. Just keep it simple. (laughs) Um, So this was great. This was really, really helpful for anyone who is thinking about starting a podcast for me, I thought about it for literally so long until one day I said, "Kristen, if you make one more excuse, this is gonna get crazy." So I sat down with my my phone as my mic, and I, with no plan, recorded the first episode. So I think that you have to just get started. We were just talking about before this. Your first episode is gonna be so cringy. It's gonna be it's so gonna cringy. Be awful. You're gonna hate it. You're gonna look back and you're gonna hate it. But it'll all be worth it at the end of the day. You just have to get started. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here. This was so great. And I hope everyone got a lot of value out of it.